Sorry, we're closed. All right, everybody, welcome back. Another episode of your favorite Northeast Regional to Hoboken podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Northeast Corridor. Northeast Corridor of Hoboken. Uh, Sorry we're closed. Uh, I had a guest appearance last night randomly on uh, the Name Redacted pod, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that today as well, but... um, I promised everybody my the first episode, the first uh, piece of content that we talk about today is Shohei Otani. Stephen A. Smith, Sean, I don't know that you caught it. I know you I like, um, yeah, you know, I know you like, um, what's the show that you like, Sean? For, around the Horn? Not Around the Horn. PTI. Is it Around the Horn? PTI, PTI. Um, so Stephen A. Smith was on, uh, was on First Take, and he came out, and as Stephen A. Smith does, I think we all get the media game now, right? Yeah, we all yeah, understand. Yeah, yeah. Say salacious. Great. Yeah, we all understand that. We all understand it. It actually helped um, my Twitter impressions because ba- the baseball community was aggressively against him. And before I do that, since Sean hasn't seen it, let me just brief you, Sean, real quick, so that you can be a part of the conversation. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, show. Uh, Stephen Smith came out and said that he doesn't want to hear any longer any of the half a billion dollar contracts uh, being thrown out there for Shohei Otani. He thinks that, one, he's not pitching until 2025 with his elbow injury. Uh, who knows how he is when he gets back. And two, which is why we're bringing it up on the business podcast, the sports business podcast, your favorite sports business podcast, the Northeast Corridor of Hoboken, <laughs> New Jersey, uh, is because he, he's not necessarily bringing in the revenue that you think he's bringing in. And to be paying a gentleman, let's say over ten years, fifty million a year, are you really making that in return? Or even better, what he said was, "Do you really need that? Need him to make the money that you might make in return?" And I think, and this is what I put on Twitter, that he has a fantastic point. Now, Twitter, baseball Twitter, is up in arms. I uh, they can't take Shohei slander to 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 any degree. But I got in there a little bit, a little in the mentions. And I think, and I think Sean, you know, and TiVo, all of us are, are businessmen, solo entrepreneurs. Um, I think that we, all three of us, can make a pretty good case that Shohei is a real chance that Shohei is not worth that much money. Uh, he's, from a baseball perspective, yet yeah, could he make a splash for a team and maybe put them over the top if he stays healthy? Uh, to 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 win a World Series, of course, but you know, is is he that much better than than Mookie? Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess so. If he if he's pitching, yeah, probably. How, how good of a pitcher is he? Is he Cy he's Young? He's really level? good. He's really good. Yeah, yeah. He's I don't like. He's never won a Cy Young, obviously, but, but he's he like is. He's very good. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. He's I mean he's throwing up a you know probably a mid two. Uh, ERA a three low three. I, I mean I don't know is exact stats, Tivo. If you could bring those up for, for while you have a second, bring up the the Shohei pitching stats or splits. But it is impressive the type of player he is, and no one's taking that away from him. But does he bring in the revenue that you need in order to make him worth it? And Sean, you remember, uh, you know, in these days you would split. You'd split the the licensing deals amongst all the teams. Yeah. Like 
I got I got licensing money. But this I is just, just like kind of like merch, video games, stuff like that. Not necessarily yeah. like club revenue. Well, obviously not club. That's what we're saying. Yeah, but but like, listen, no one's buying my jersey. I'd so get you're to say, oh, so like they're paying the schmucks. No offense, Patrick. Uh, they're paying, they're paying the schmucks money that, that Trout's, you know, his jersey sales. They're going to him. Yeah, so that's what I said. So on Twitter, we went into it a little bit on Twitter. It's, it's nice to be a schmuck. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be a schmuck. Oh, you just saw that check I got. Um, I got the stats when you're ready to. Okay. Um, well, the Twitter, when we were talking about it on Twitter, I had mentioned it, and I knew this would be controversial. I told you that I said, that, hey, listen, I don't know that this is worth it. But someone did bring up the global baseball market, especially in Japan, which Japan is probably the second biggest baseball market in the, in the world. Uh, and that alone is worth enough money to bring, da- to bring, bring him on, on board. I said, yeah, of course. But from a TV perspective, Sean, you know this just as well as I know this, that TV money is 100% split amongst the teams. Hmm. Now, I don't know if, you know, them going somewhere, you know, do, do, do the teams that go to London – do they get a little bit slightly bigger of that pie because they went? I don't know. I, do, I, I don't Definitely know that Definitely an incentive to go over there. I know there's an incentive there's for the an players. Incentive to do the, uh, isn't there an incentive to do the, the Field of Dreams game? Yes, but I know they get paid more for the day. I don't know they get a bigger piece of the licensing uh, from that game. Mm. I know they get paid more. I remember I when I was like kind I've of heard the- stuff before about like it being like kind of a big deal, like who, get, who is like home for that game. Uh, like I guess if you're losing a home game, like who's getting the the, the revenue from that? I've heard oh. that. I've heard that okay. being a thing. I could have heard that in like football or another or another sport, but yeah, maybe probably NBA. That's probably where I heard it. But um, <clears throat> I think uh, one thing that's just popping into my mind here, and we'll just keep rolling with it. I think the average fan uh, just doesn't put two and two together. Like I think they get it. Like they can connect the dots, but they don't necessarily connect the fact that. Uh, that you know, like somebody has to pay money. Like this is actually an investment for somebody. Uh, and the uh, hold on a sec, Lou. You want to look at these stats here? No, continue with your thought. Yeah, just continue with thought. Um, so what? Like the the average fan just hears like you know like you know so and so signed for a hundred million, and then it just like keeps popping up, popping up, and we hear that in football, right? Like if he got a hundred. Well, then I'm going to get 150. Like somebody becomes like the highest paid NFL player of all time for like a week before the next guy comes up. And like I remember being a kid and hearing like, you know, uh, you know, Robert Ori signs with the Spurs for the veterans minimum, like five and a half million. And I'm like, what an absolute peasant. Uh, and then like a- as you as you like become an adult uh, and then you connect the dots and like you're like. Bro, like four hundred thousand dollars a year is like essentially financial freedom. <laughs> the fact yeah. that this absolute peasant is making five and a half million uh, is like unfathomable levels of wealth. Uh, and then, like, it's just like it's like fantasy land. You're playing a board game. You're playing a video. It's like The Sims making this kind of money. They don't like. I think like after a certain point, uh, like people just don't like. They're just like this is not. They're not connecting it to reality anymore. So I think when the fans are like up in arms, like Shohei Otani is not worth it, blah blah blah. There is like not even a thought of like the investment. They're just they just see these like fantastical numbers on ESPN, uh, and they're not. They, they, the line back to their reality is far too long for them to actually just even have a whiff of a thought to to like this being an investment or worth the time or the fact that like. And the NBA franchises 
15 years ago, 20 years ago, were being bought for like 75 million, and now they're being sold for 900 billion. Like the, like the the worth in the in like the, I can't I'm drawing a blank on the word, but like the growth in the net value of their investment is getting obscene uh, here over the last however many uh, years. Same things happening in baseball, and it's just so out of the norm for a normal baseball fan out of so fantastical to them that the the lines never connect well for fact check purposes there's no nba team being sold for 900 billion folks just oh, I meant I meant million. you didn't need, not, you didn't need to, you didn't need to look that one up Patrick. I think, I think the monstars would go for 900 billion the monstars take to the I bank think, yeah, i think maybe like 2 billion for the Knicks, maybe maybe 4 uh, yeah, I think the Red probably, Sox are. Yeah, I think the Red Sox are four billion. Uh, but yeah, of course. Like, listen, when, as a fan, especially kids, obviously it makes you know it's, it goes without saying that kids are not drawing these comparisons. Uh, but the the average fan, you know, he looks at us as a as a sport. This is fun. You know, this is what we're doing. This is what's going on. It, it and it makes sense that you know got, you know teams would be like, holy shit, fifty million a year to play baseball. That sounds fucking amazing. And then, like I said, anytime these 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 uh, contract negotiations start popping up, I always try to chime in and be like, "Well, listen, let's think about how much the owner's making." And I'm, as an aspiring owner myself, I might be shooting myself in the foot eventually. It's the but- same thing as as the as you getting told, like the owner of the of of Green Rock, like, "Oh, pay your staff more, so I don't have to tip them." And we're like, "Well, well, well, now hold on one second. That ain't how this game works." It's the same thing. Like, "Oh, yeah. big rich owner." Uh, uh, uh. Same thing. Yeah, of course. But they, I, I see. I would go the the different route, in in say that, the, you know, in this scenario, people would be mad at my bartenders for making too much money because that's the players, and not so much focused on me, and for whatever reason, not so much focused on me, which is which is strange. It seems as though you should be have more focused on me, you know, flying around in private jets and being like, well, how can't you afford to pay your workers? But I, I can. We just—it just—it's a weird system America does, and we don't need to get into the tipping culture in America. But quickly here, uh, TiVo has been so kind to bring up Shohei's stats over the last career totals. Let's start career totals. Actually, that's a better one to do. Um, as far as a for as an ERA goes, it's three point oh one, which is which is a really good career ERA. Thirty eight wins, nineteen losses. Uh, he's got almost 500 innings pitched, significantly less hits than innings pitched, which is always a stat that I looked for when I was playing. Wow, I haven't looked at a, a stat line in so long. And this is back in the day where I was trying to be like trying to get my stat line better. Uh, 608 strikeouts, way more than innings pitched. You always want to have a little bit more than uh, one per inning pitched. Uh, walks are fantastic. You know, home runs are solid. I mean, yeah, he, he's a, he is a great pitcher. He is he is a guy that's going to go out there every day, every fifth day, and pitch like this is spectacularly valuable to your team. On top of that, to be able to go hit, if this guy can stay healthy, I, I, I think it's, it goes without saying that Shohei Itani, in my opinion, it, it doesn't go without saying because people still have that like, allure of, of, of Babe Ruth, but he is the best baseball player of all time, uh, Shohei Itani. It, 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 as long as he can stay healthy, he is the most talented player that has ever played the game, which is awesome for us to all be able to be alive and watch. However... From an investment standpoint, you know, I'd be so curious. I was sitting there yesterday when I was tweeting, and I, I, I wanted to you – know, I'd love to go sit with John Henry 
and sit with these guys and just be like, okay, what else, what side things are you guys is making this value worth it to you guys? Like the licensing, of course, you're making money. Of course, you make the, you know, make the playoffs, you make a lot more money. The wor- and the further you go in the playoffs, you make a lot more money. The World Series. But like I was talking to this guy yesterday, and he was talking about how he, he built uh, – he's talking about the guys who built the Hudson Yards. Hudson Yards, for those folks that aren't familiar with this area – uh, even though we are very, we have a small niche um, uh, following here in the north quarter of Hoboken, but Hudson Yards the is north a north corner of Hoboken. You can't <laughs> yes. walk anywhere in the north corner of Hoboken. The the moment you step out of it, no one knows who you are. <laughs> yeah, but oh my gosh, paparazzi up there is crazy. Um, but there is, uh, like I say, I don't know how many buildings are in Hudson Yards, Sean. Take a guess. Uh, Six. No, it's like twenty-five, thirty. 25, 30 uh, uh, buildings in Hudson Yards. This particular developer built them all, right? And we were talking about them and how, yeah, the development was great. He made a killing. It's, it's this company called Related. They made a killing on building these buildings. But what you don't think about is once they got this project, they went and bought a window manufacturer out in South America. So now that that business made a killing, and they made a killing, and then all of these other side businesses that they bought that put the pieces together, this you know billion dollar deal turned into two billion, three billion for them. So I'd be so curious to see you know the Angels, or let's say <laughs> say they say Shohei signs with the Yankees, right? I'd be so curious to see what guys or like what. What businesses and what business and revenue are they drawing from other places that we don't know about that is making them a ton of money? Like, what else are they doing that's driving this bottom line up uh, because of sh- the addition of Shohei Otani? Like, obviously, he's going to bring a ton of fanfare. He's going to have all that stuff. You'll probably be able to throw some things like when they do uh, the Boston uh, Fan Fest in um, Mohegan Sun. I bet you if Shohei Otani's showing up, that place is was already pretty mobbed. I bet you it is unbelievably mobbed for Shohei Otani. So are they making more money that way? Of course. But does that make up $50 million? No, it doesn't. So like, what other things are happening that allow the Boston Red Sox or New York Yankees or whoever to sign Shohei to make it a very profitable endeavor? Because right from the, from the onset, just looking from the top, from a, from a very far point, but looking in, it, I, I'm, Stephen A is not that wrong. He is, you know, I know everyone, you know, is not here for the Shohei slander, but from a business perspective, fifty million a year over ten years—that is a ton of money. Uh, that is. It is could a, also, but it, I think it also could potentially not be about investing. It could be the fact that I'm rich. I hang out with these other guys. I hang out with Jerry Jones on the weekend, and I like Jerry. I like the fact that Jerry Jones is little Timmy, and Jerry <laughs> Jones can't win. You know, uh, and I'm over here. I buy Shohei Otani. It has zero effect on my life, uh, and I'm I'm winning a championship. Like I think that there are owners. There are definitely owners. I think Mark 1, Cuban is one of them. Right. We always talked in the NBA. We would. Uh, it's kind of cool. So like we would like f- fly to a city or whatever. Uh, and I was just thinking about this. I know. I love story, what Sean's, you know? about to, Sean's about to tell a story. He goes, oh, this is a story I think people might like to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, we would, like, fly to a city, uh, and you always fly to, like, some random part of the airport. I think it was called, like, Signature. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, we would always fly on, like, this, like, Dal- uh, this Delta plane. 
it was like a custom. It wasn't like custom for us, but it was custom for. I'm sure, Patty, you flew on 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 some, uh, where it was like everything in there is first class. Like it's a special plane. It looks like a normal Delta plane, but it, it's a little mm. different on the inside. Uh, and so you fly to this part, and we would always like if we if Dallas was in the city before us, or like we were getting there as they were leaving, we would see their plane, and it was not. A Delta plane. It was the Mark Cuban Airlines, <laughs> yeah. and uh, everybody knew that that was like the sickest plane in the NBA. Uh, so you look at like that guy, and and like like he's like really trying to win the game. He's not. I, I don't think that Mark Cuban. While I'm sure he is somewhat concerned with the financial side of it, he's more concerned with uh, winning the championship. Uh, so I think it's like the different type of owner. So I think that you could be looking at a scenario where. We're not even really concerned that much. Like, yeah, this is a ton of money, but of course. it really doesn't matter. You know, matter to us. It's like the equivalent of us going to, uh, you know, buy a Mercedes. Uh, is him going to go buy Shohei Otani? Yeah, no, I actually, no, I, I actually have a, a relative um, <clears throat> story as well that the people might enjoy. Hmm. So, a good friend of oh, mine sure. is the head of ops at Hendrix Motorsports. Okay, and so Hendrix Motorsports, uh, one of the biggest, you know, big teams in nascar they have a bunch of cars they have their own campus on uh in north carolina outside of charlotte they have a big garage they have a private airport all their jets all that stuff and he was telling me he's like so the racing portion of hendrix motorsports breaks even basically loses money every year because it's a playpen for mr hendrix the billionaire however the uh, hendrix motorsports is a roll-up under an umbrella of a car parts company <clears throat> makes you know this is a great story mm -hmm. and that so is. it's really hendrix motorsports nascar is literally the billionaire's toy you know breaks pays everybody really well family style you know everybody's in-house everybody that works there he says nobody leaves everybody's worked there for 30 years um but it basically loses money if it not breaks even even if they're winning but then it rolls up into that umbrella company oh let me let me that's awesome i'm glad you said that uh the on top of that now, really dive into business. So I spent like two years trying to figure out how Tony Robbins became so rich. Uh, friend and of the program. Friend, friend of the program. program. Friend of the program. Friend of the program. He, you do not want to let him lose in North Co the North Corner of Hoboken. Uh, but uh, what I what I when I what I dug it up, basically like all those like insano seminars that he does with like twenty thousand people is a break even deal for him too. Uh, not trying, not, I'm sure he makes probably cause it's a mature business. He probably makes some on it, but his deal is to make money off of the stuff that he sells at the place. So are we looking, are we, are we completely missing the boat here? Like is the, is the baseball, the break even, is it the real estate? That's the thing. Is he just saying, let me break even here, draw everybody to this area. I should bring all these customers to my sports bars and my restaurants and my shops. And that's where I'm making all the money. Or am I driving up the price of my real estate investments? Of course. Now I think I think it's I think, <laughs> I think. Steve Wynn was the same way. He was the same way with his stuff. He built all those casinos to fund uh, ba uh, Baccarat. That was the thing that makes him. He said ninety percent of my revenue comes from this one game. So he built all of this stuff to funnel people there. Uh, and everything else was kind of like smoke and mirrors, like, okay, golf courses, massages, and spas, and yep. slots, and all that stuff. Doesn't really matter. 
I'm trying like one of the business philosophies that I've learned is what's the one thing that you want everybody to buy? What's the one thing that drives all of your revenue uh, and do everything you can to facilitate that? Yeah, mm. I, listen, well, I, I we're deep. We're diving. We're diving. We're, and this is what's good about this, though. But it's it's right because like we talked about it when we talked about the collective bargaining agreement about how the real estate. Remember that tweet? It came up about how Fenway Sports Group's got all this big uh, redevelopment they can do. Yeah, like it's it is. This is what it is. And again. Nothing against the average fan. When before I wanted to go into business and learn about a lot of this stuff, I didn't think about this stuff. I remember Scott Boris, uh, Boris Corp. You know, I, I not Scott. Well, I guess Scott did personally tell me at one point. But you know, they would tell us, "Well, listen, they're making money here. They're making money there. They're making money there. Like, go get yours. Go get yours." And it was always saying, "I was like, oh, okay. Well, that that I didn't think of that. Why? How could you? Okay, so." So the, why how why are they making money on real estate if, if just because they own the Red Sox and then you then as you start getting a, a more developed sense of what business is and how you're doing it you're like oh okay another example um, I became friendly with the people over at Bloomingdale's Bloomingdale's they were talking about possibly switching over one of their restaurants and I said I hey, would love to be the guy that takes over you know and the whole philosophy with me was yeah was we gonna invest some money into it of course but the whole philosophy is Bloomingdale's was already bringing the foot traffic. I just put a restaurant in between them and the Bloomingdale's. So, like, they, you know, naturally, I'm going to have a ton of people walking past my restaurant. More than likely, if I put a good enough product together, I'll be, I'll be profitable in that endeavor. So, it's, it's similarly, like I said, with the Red Sox. Are we missing the boat? Is Shohei not the piece? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think that the, I think that baseball is making money on their sports, uh, on their teams. Otherwise, they, they, probably would, they probably would show the books. Uh, when they do the collective bargaining, because that's the whole thing. Show your books. Show your books. Oh no, we're not doing that. I think if they were, if they were, if they were breaking even, they'd be like, "Here you go, please." <laughs> that please would be look. hilarious. <laughs> yeah, you trust me, you guys. You, I'll be in a world of trouble if I show you these bad boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, so think, I think, you, you think I'm? You think this uh, four hundred thousand to this uh, first year guy over here is is causing me pain? <laughs> yeah. So of course it is a it is it is of course a profitable endeavor for them. We're just trying to figure out, and where it is 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 the is Shohei worth is a player of that magnitude worth it to him? Of course, there's those guys like Jerry Jones or whatever. You know, say, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm rich as shit. You know, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go do this and treat it like a fancy baseball team or a fancy you know, whatever. But from a business standpoint, does <laughs> it make the Honestly, most sense? I I can I can like see it now. Where who, who's the who's the owner of the Red Sox? John, John Henry. Henry. John Henry and and what's the name of that ball? What's the name of that club you went to in Philadelphia? With with uh, uh, Jesus uh, TiVo. It's the one right next to the hotel that we stayed at, the Ritz Carlton. We went to a the Union club? League. No, no, the Union League. There it is. There it is. Uh, Union yeah. League. I can just see John Henry. <laughs> Not nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> Tao. <laughs> no, no. I can just see John Henry. Sitting down over a scotch with a young upstart in the Red Sox, maybe his like nephew or something like that. He's, you know, he's getting into like the VP, you know, executive suite. Sitting down over a nice scotch, nice dark, rich, deep leather. You know, just enjoying a piano guy playing in the background. And he says, you know, Uncle John, like, you know, I was watching first take the other day, and Stephen A was saying, like, how how are you going to make, you know, five hundred billion million? back from you know Shohei Otani and uh you know he takes a sip of his scotch leans forward and goes you think that's where I'm making my money from 
let me let me let me show you how this really works and he shows you like he just breaks down the list of how it actually goes and it's like 10 times 500 million and he just uh, the kid sits back and he's just like has this like like earth-shattering moment man i honestly i could see that happening right now uh like i i, I got to imagine that something that something is happening uh where we're just not seeing it oh i listen i don't know that we're uh, that we're not seeing it not not seeing it I think that there's a – I think there is – you know, there's probably stuff out there that we don't know about as far as how they're generating more revenue in different – you know, well, I actually think we know everything. Okay. Uh, there, <laughs> but, yeah, there's, there's – I think when, when Scott told me back in the day that they are bringing in money from real estate ventures around the thing, I think it's very telling when, um, when the Mets want to get sold, when the Nationals came to uh, the Baltimore market – that in order to be able to put a new team there, they negotiate with Major League Baseball that they keep all the TV rights. I think that is a big thing. I think, you know, when, like I said, when the Mets were selling, the big thing was that they didn't want to give up SNY. Okay, why? Why is that the thing that you don't want to give up? Obviously, it's got to be probably the most profitable arm of the, of the, of the business. So, like, when you look at these things and you, when you watch them, you understand a little bit. They give you – it's almost like hiding in plain sight, they're telling you what they're doing. It's the, the funniest thing was with Dave Chappelle and Donald Trump. Donald Trump came out of the White House, told you everything you think we're doing in there, we're doing. I'm gonna go back and do it now. So and he goes and does like it's. They're hiding in plain. They're telling you what they're doing. It's just a matter of if you receive it, you understand it, you you think about it, or is it? Hey, I'm seeing a guy getting paid fifty million dollars to play baseball. That's outrageous, and I totally understand that sentiment. That is an outrageous number to be paid to play the game of baseball. But then you start being like, oh, okay, well, this motherfucker is, paying, is, is making you know, a couple billion on this team. That's outrageous. Uh, so you start, you start putting together and you understand a little bit more of why these players go after what they go after, blah, 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 short career spans, all that good stuff. But it is. It's, it's crazy to think about. I just really wanted to hammer out why Stephen A. Would, you know, Stephen A. got a lot of shit, and then he later on, later on doubled down, tripled down, quadrupled down, which is probably a bad idea. Told like no, the baseball just, community to show up, man. to shut up or whatever, and they, they don't care. <laughs> that's his playbook, man. Yeah. He knows how to rile up the, oh, the squad. He knows what he's doing. It's kind of like one giant game of Monopoly. Like each owner can play the board how they want. If they want to buy the cheap little properties and build little houses yeah, on Baltic, them, Baltic, yeah, Mediterranean. And then, and then if you want to go all in and buy the boardwalk and you know the ones on the other side of the board and. You know, start coming can, around town, I better. Yeah, everybody can play their own thing, and then if you get caught getting a handy in a massage parlor, you don't go to jail. But you know, in th- you, you in board game, <laughs> you get a get out of jail free card. Yeah, I listen. I I think and again, I think Monopoly. Like, I would play Monopoly with my future children as much as possible <laughs> because because like, oh, how it is because <laughs> looking back, it's like all right, listen, you're gonna get hurt now, but if people start coming around town. You're, you know, you start putting some restaurants around New York and Pennsylvania Avenue, and next thing you know, you're collecting some pretty hefty rents, and it's it is, but it, like, it hurts you in the beginning. World. Yeah, it hurts you in the beginning to do this. Like, I think my opinion, my restaurants, Green Rock, Texas, Arizona, uh, River Street Garage, by the way, great places. You guys got if you're in if you're in the Northwest Corridor of Hoboken, you got to check. Come around town. It is. It's a great spot. Nor um, McSwing, but all those places. I think those are the Monopoly equivalent to like, to like probably Baltic, maybe Oriental. You know, Oriental <laughs> Avenue. 
Um, <laughs> can't say that anymore, Patrick. You can't, you can't say Oriental? <laughs> Canceled. I don't think you've Canceled. ever been able to say that. <laughs> Why is it on the Monopoly game board, then? Well, I mean, a bunch of rich snobs. They're not concerned <laughs> with it. What, you know the light blue pieces? Yeah, Patty. Yeah. I, we know. Whatever those were, um, I think that's the equivalent of the kind of restaurants that, I, that I've bought. And then you start talking about when you get to the boardwalk, you talk about the greens. What are the greens? Atlantic, North Carolina, uh, Pennsylvania. North Carolina. North Carolina is a weird state to choose for that. But it, those those pieces, I think that's when you start getting into like you talk about the development world, where they're building Hudson Yards, and now they're buying out all these different. Companies. Don't you dare buy a Marvin Gardens. Don't you dare buy a Marvin Gardens and Waterworks don't right next door. You, don't <laughs> you dare buy Marvin Gardens. Uh, so yeah, I think. I think it's so fascinating, and this is why, again, when I was on the podcast last night with the, from the Name Redacted Pod, they talked about the, the, the Red Sox GM search, who I would choose as a businessman, blah, blah, blah. And then they said, why don't you talk about this on Sorry We're Closed? By the way, shout out Jared, shouting out Sorry We're Closed several times on the pod last night. Appreciate that. Um, but he asked, why wouldn't I talk about it? I was like, well, listen, that's not really – one – I don't do enough research to know about it. Although, yeah, I, I do, you know, Eddie Romero and Mike Hayes are the two top candidates. Both were in the Red Sox organization when I was there, so I know the guys. But, like, what I was telling them was, like, I don't do enough research to know much about it. And I, on the name redacted, I had Tyler Milliken and Jared, who live and die Red Sox, the, to fill in gaps for me. I was like, TiVo and Sean are not up to date with the latest Red Sox news. <laughs> So I, like, yeah, I, knew just... that, I knew that Shohei Otani tours UCL and they cleared the stuff out of his locker. That's what I knew. Yeah, and it had nothing to do with the Red Sox. So I like this stuff. This stuff is more fun for me for me to talk about. We can all because we all own our own businesses, which is crazy to think about. We all own our own businesses. Uh, we can talk a little bit more our experiences and when you take. Obviously, there's way more going up at the top of the Fenway Sports Group. And a lot more business, a lot more money coming all over the places. But when you, you can scale it down to us pretty good and understand kind of what, you know, oh, okay, that makes sense. It's like, you know, me owning Green Rock, but also owning all the liquor in the well. Uh, you know, we, we're, we do all the, from all the restaurants, we have a, a, a management company. Have uh, you guys seen the light group? That's here's, theoretically what they operate as. It's a management company. They do all the managers and they, we make money off that. So it's like <clears> different <throat> ways to kind of skin the cat, so to speak. But, yeah, I think uh, uh, another way uh, it's interesting. I think that I don't know if this is true, but this is kind of my sense. I feel like uh, like Amazon is a logistics company. Like for them to have created the infrastructure to be able to deliver packages so quickly uh, has like I think that's what they do uh, with all like their storehouses and everything all over the place. Like, I think they're not so much e-com as they are logistics. Yeah, I think it was interesting. Again, I, I don't want to dive too much into Amazon, but it's actually. Amazon's web services, so the cloud, I, the cloud. Well, is that's their true biggest, too. Yeah, it's eighty yeah. billion of their revenue per oh, year. Geez, I still don't even know what the heck. I think it's like some sort of CRM. <laughs> I've looked in so many times trying to figure out what the heck Amazon Web Service actually does. I still can't figure it out. That's a good question. I'd love to see the stats on like Amazon's. I think sometimes selling those products like they break even or you know. It's yeah. it's very similar uh, from what I can tell to uh, Salesforce, HubSpot kind of thing, but. Uh, I also think they take in the model that Sean has taken in. Uh, uh, he doesn't do it anymore, but he did um, uh, a couple of years back where he gets you in because you don't have to pay any money. You, you spend it for free, right. and then he hits you once you enjoy the product. I think that's something that they took into consideration when it came to uh, Amazon Fresh Deliveries. 
free delivery constantly. Always, 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 yeah. always. Now I'm hooked. I'm not gonna. I'm, you think I'm going to the grocery store? And now, <laughs> and now they're they they, they it's four dollars, three sixty five for delivery, unless you hit one hundred and fifty fucking dollars to do it. Yeah. So it's like, oh, spend twenty five dollars to save three bucks. That yeah. doesn't make last, much sense. Last last Amazon stat. Amazon is a yeah. retail giant, but seventy percent of its profit comes from AWS. Yeah, I did know that. I did yeah, know see, that. that's crazy. That's cra- I would like to know more about that because Sean said that once before. He would love to know more about AWS because he sees it advertised everywhere. Uh, a lot more popping up. Like I see, like on like the U.S. Open, you'll see AWS. Like some for whatever reason. I, I've, and you're heard, like, I've heard. What that do they, they do? Take, I've heard that they take. Like they like host websites and they like you manage like companies' data, uh, and I've heard that they manage your data. They'll see all your data and then they'll use it to kill your yeah. business. <laughs> oh, that's that is that savage. Is ruthless. Uh, savage, ruthless. Savage. Um, moving on, and again, a little bit pivot, but not so much of a pivot. Uh, it is 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 as as it's not breaking news, but it's uh, very topical today. And I think our audience likes it. It's we're talking about uh, friend of the pod, Dave Portnoy, um, and he recently got wind of a hit piece. Which, by the way, I guess he didn't get wind of the Asbury Park Press's hit piece, Sean. <laughs> uh, because did they, they do also, a hit piece on him. Yeah, they did another one. They, he just doesn't give a fuck. He's going after the Washington Post, much bigger publication. <laughs> I actually saw uh, a YouTube last night. Uh, I was I didn't see, it, but all I saw the the headline was like. Dave calls the the Washington Post, and it, I laughed because it was like the classic YouTube gotcha thumbnail of Dave going like this. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my man, he's in the thumbnail game." Yeah. <laughs> so, for background, for those folks that don't know, Dave uh, put on a pizza fest, I think, this weekend, and the Washington Post wrote an article and essentially was calling up the sponsors of the of the event, saying um, seemingly last minute for. Um, uh, quotes on defending themselves for being a part of, you know, a misogynistic person. Blah blah blah. You know, the guys know the routine with Dave. No one, no one doesn't know that. So Dave called them up on on um, on camera and on a podcast, saying, "Hey, listen, this is what you're doing." They did answer, uh, and then they tried to schedule a time for a call. Then they canceled and said, "No, we have to do it this time." He said, "No, this time or nothing, never." Blah blah blah. All this good stuff. One thing, now, I don't agree. I don't know. Listen, I don't know. I don't know enough about Dave's history. You know, I know he. I've seen some clips that are a little, eh. uh, but I've heard from people that I trust, TiVo being one of them, uh, that Dave's a great guy and uh, he's just, you know, a normal dude and he's, he's always helped people, blah, 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 blah. You know, I've had people that I'm friends with always talk highly of Dave. Uh, so uh, for the most part, I've heard some negative stuff, but for the most part, I'm I'm pro Dave. I from people that I trust that know him intimately, they say good things. So that's enough for me. With that being said, uh, he's had several hit pieces out on him, uh, mainly by the media. Which uh, I mean, obviously, all about the media. It's no, no, I guess it has to be media in order to put a hit piece out. But he essentially, you know, they 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 he always calls them out. The thing that I think, and again, I'm not condoning. Any type of false narratives, if there is ones, I don't know. But I think there's something that, again, that I want to talk briefly about. I put a tweet out last night that said, and it's very easy for folks that are a part of this podcast to kind of understand why I did it now that you, 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 talk, you listen more business with us. But I said, second topic on tomorrow's Sorry We're Closed, why hating on Stuhl Presidente will likely make the Washington Post a ton of money regardless of how factual or not the column is. And 
the reason I, I, I talk about this because again, I, I think we will hit this. I mean, we've talked about how media works a ton of times on the pod, but and why Fox News and CNN doesn't really don't really care to talk about the whole picture ever, because as Sean has said to me several times over the course of the last ten years. When you want to go on social, if you want to get the most impressions, if it's controversial, just pick a side. The middle doesn't do all that much for you. Just pick one side and stick to it, uh, which is what I did last, yesterday with Stephen A. Smith. I don't agree with everything that Stephen A. Smith said, but when I was tweeting, I just said Stephen A. was correct, and it did, did much better for me. Uh, so it's, it's similar. Washington Post, writing a, he, they know that the majority of their readers hate Dave Portnoy. So it does not matter if Dave brings a lawsuit against them, if Dave does any, anything, not to mention how many stoolies are now going to go read this, day, this Washington Post article, see those advertisements, see all these impressions they're getting in. I mean, we, listen, I don't know that we can talk about this on the pod, but a friend of the pod and a, uh, a dear friend of Sean's um, used to work in media and would oftentimes have to write things and a, n- a certain number of articles just hit impression counts. Uh, name so, also redacted. Name also redacted. <laughs> so we know how the how it works. We know what these companies are looking for. So although it's slander, possibly, although it's maybe not factual, you know, it's certainly um, it's certainly you know exaggerated. It it's what gets the clicks. It's what makes the money. So why wouldn't the Washington Post do it? Why wouldn't? You know, Dave Portnoy calling and giving all these views to them, which he knows he's doing. He doesn't care. But giving all these views, that's exactly what the Washington Post wants. You know, they, they have, according to, I, re- I read an article on the Washington Post to try to prepare for the podcast. Um, and they said they have about 117 or so thousand uh, daily readers of their publication. Dave Portnoy probably got them a million listeners uh, of his thing yesterday. 7.5 on Twitter. 7.5 on Twitter. He had 7.5 million impressions on that tweet. 7.5. They have 115,000 impressions. Yeah, 115,000 um, readers daily. They got 7.5 million hits yesterday from one tweet. So, you know, not that... And I, yeah, I'm not condoning it again. If it's not factual, I didn't read the article. I don't. I'm not going to do a, a deep dive into Dave's history to figure out if it's if it's factual, if it's not factual. That's not why I'm here. All I'm saying, and again, Dave's a smart guy. He knows he's doing this. But by doing this, by by doing what he's doing, he is making it a profitable endeavor to write hit pieces against him. <laughs> <laughs> he alone is doing this because. He's going to bring he, the left side was already going to read this. They and they were going to love it. That was already going to be there from the Washington Post. Obviously, he's bringing more left side, but he, the Washington, left side was already going to be there. He has now brought the right to hate on them, and to now get more and more 7.5 million impressions on this post. He is he is making more money for the Washington Post than the Washington Post ever did for themselves. <laughs> Jeff Bezos is laughing his way to the bank right now, as he doesn't give a shit. What they what, that they do? All he cares about is are these impressions. I'm, I'm sure he's not paying any attention to the Washington Post impression numbers, <laughs> but yeah, but he it is definitely not paying the flip side zero this, attention to that. The flip side is like Dave's in the content game. So as much as I I think he you know he doesn't like how they're portraying him. He just wants to be treated fairly, which doesn't happen in the media anyway. He's mm-hmm. in the content game, so he's making content out of this. If he was. A billionaire that's there's you know fake stories or whatever stories going on you know these people just don't pay attention to him right like is Bill Gates 
calling reporters about the Epstein Island, like, you know, connections. Mm. Like, no, he's just he doesn't pay attention to that. Or he pays attention, doesn't pay attention, whatever. But Dave's in the content game. Yes. So he's oh, he's leveraging this to make content for his people to, you know. I think it, and to take to take yeah, exactly. To take that one step further in what TiVo's uh saying is that yes, he's making the Washington Post money, but he's also making himself a ton of money at the same time. So like the Barstool um, impression count is going through the roof because of this as well, which, uh, as we saw when Dave first took over, uh, he said that there, the the uh, Barstool Enterprise is losing, I think, maybe $10 million a year or something like that. Uh, and that obviously was not acceptable for Dave. And these types of stories, although he knows, he, again, smart dude, he knows he's making money for the Washington Post, but... He's also making a ton of money for Barcelona Sports. He's rallying up the, the stoolies. The stoolies are behind him. They're so happy he's back. He's getting all these hits. It's it's very profitable for him as well. He doesn't give a shit what's happening yeah. with the Post. Profit yeah. or no profit. Yeah, I'm sure no. there's a Washington Post t-shirt coming online. Oh, 100. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not already out. Yeah. But it's it's stuff like this, and this is why, um, this is why I think I, I love the direction of this podcast over the last month. And I've actually, I think I'm, we're seeing some, you know, some people come on board for the pod. I've been seeing some slightly higher numbers as far as listeners. Um, and the reason why I like it is because it's these little things, like you said, like we're not just a pop culture. You know, we're not going to just talk about, you know, what happened with Kylie Jenner today. You know, you know, <laughs> the Lizzo banana story is still one of my Lizzo favorites. banana story is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> But you know we're finding our speed here, <laughs> finding our speed. But at the same time, like this is the stuff that I think oftentimes doesn't get reported on. You know, when you when you talk about you know certain pod, you're not podcasts. When you talk about certain stories, you know, you talk about like, oh, Dave's not getting treated fairly. No one's talking about how Dave is making a killing off this, and that Washington Post is also making a killing off this. Well, there might be, will there possibly be a legal battle? I I doubt Dave cares enough to sue again, uh, but. If it's content game is, is worth it, he might do it. Yeah, so like he it, tweeted the other day. He's like, I'm going to you know, go after these Washington Post people. But at the same time, he's tweeted. He's like, I can't find my coffee in my mansion. I keep leaving it in different rooms. Yes, so I saw doing, it. He's doing fine. Yeah, I saw a tweet the other day. He was talking about uh, someone had tweeted back. At him, he talked about how his, his mansion. And someone tweeted back at him being like, like, dude, I have a big house, too, but I don't feel the need to tweet about it. That's, I mean, come on, get real, whatever. And... And Dave, and Dave is just better at this than I am. But oh, Dave, so Dave responded, quote tweeting, goes, "To be fair, my mansion is definitely bigger than your mansion." <laughs> <laughs> he just actually doesn't give a shit. No, he's he's great at this. He's he and this is again to a much smaller scale. Not to compare myself to Dave Portnoy, but to a much smaller scale, this is what I built my stuff off of baseball. Was instead of getting mad at people for telling me how bad I was at baseball. I was going to play into it. I was going to I was going to do it. I was going to give, you know, that same guy that you know, you know, those everyone that can relate to playing MLB the show when they suck and their older brother is like making fun of them because they sucked and they go back at them, right? They don't, instead of being like all mad, they're like, "Oh yeah, well, I'm I'm bigger." When you do that in the real world as a, a former major league baseball player, people tend to relate to it better because it's it's funny. Uh, similar with Dave, his reaction to people talking about his mansion is how all of us guys would love to react to someone talking about our mansion. Well, to be fair, my mansion is probably bigger than your mansion. <laughs> so it's like it's so relatable, and that's why he does so well is because he, although he wears probably more expensive suits and he's got a nicer car, he's got a beer house, personality-wise, he never changed into some doucher. 
Like, he's still that fucking guy that's making fun of you about how his mansion's bigger than your mansion. You never see Jeff Bezos do that, not least publicly. You never see Bill Gates do that. <laughs> what, like, what, what if, what if uh, Bezos responded, well, to be fair, dot, dot, dot. People <laughs> <laughs> like, oh! People would lose their mind. People would lose their minds. They would lose their minds. So... It'd be fun. That's so savage. That is, and that's the fun, the fun part of it. And that's why Dave relates so well to people is because you know, no matter who you are, yeah, you can you can be living this this world where you like you know, if you had a lot of money, you'd give it all away, and maybe you would. I don't know, but I so many people you know, especially that live in in a capitalistic society you know, dream of, of getting to that level. That's why people take their salaries and invest in 401ks, and that's why they get into the stock market. They <laughs> yeah, make, that ought they to make do some, it. They make some, <laughs> yeah. But this is why people do. They try to make more money. That is their life. And, it, again, is it going to ever take you to a billionaire status to invest in your 401k? No. It's, it has no chance. But – you know, this is why people take their money and they just and they go do this. It's why they make risky plays. I mean, I remember we're talking about our grandfather. You know, when when he passed away back, you know, ten years ago, whatever. I remember mom telling us, you know, he was a lot more aggressive in the stock market than I thought than I thought he was. And it's like the people really want to. They want that lifestyle. They want to make the next money. They want to take care of their their the next generation and their family. So, um, and I and that's what Ray Dalio was saying in his book. He's like, you know, literally almost word for word. You know, I have problems too. It's just different problems. Like I have to worry about how many generations do I decide to take care of with my, with my money. Like, yes. Oh, no. How do you oh. sleep at night, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, listen, I think this was a great show. I'm thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to have had the conversation. Showing it to CNA Smith was correct. Um Hopefully we can get some, not to put pressure on TiVo on live stream, but hopefully we can get a, a, a long form out of Stephen A. Smith being correct, uh, if that's possible. What do but you mean? like? Uh, oh, oh, For YouTube. Oh, YouTube. Yeah, yeah. oh, also, let's end the show on this. Guys, congratulations. The sorry, well, Pat Light, but Pat Light slash sorry we're closed. YouTube, over 1,000 subscribers, folks. Wow. <laughs> we're I'll in the content you. game, too. Yeah, watch, out, t- watch out, Portnoy. Yeah, watch out. I did uh, get an email from YouTube, which I'll read aloud for the for the subscribers here. Um, hold on. Oh, where is it? Got it at 3.48 a.m., which seems like a weird time for YouTube to send me an email. Um, Jesus. Of course, I can't find it. No. Oh, here it is. YouTube creators, Pat Light, congrats on 1,000 subscribers. This is bananas. Uh <laughs> Pat Light, we always knew this day would come, and we hope you did too. You're doing amazing work, and we couldn't be happier for you. Now go share this gift and good news using hashtag 1K Creator, which I'm not going to do. Um, you might. Yeah, I might. <laughs> <laughs> I might, considering Timo controls a lot of my socials. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Well, I hope you had a fantastic weekend. Rise and shine. Monday Night Football tonight. Who's playing Monday Night Football tonight, Sean? Well, it's considering uh, it's Thursday. Eagles, Eagles, no, Bucks. no. This comes uh, out Monday, Sean. Pick up, Eagle, Sean. Eagles, Bucks, Eagles, Bucks at Tampa. Eagles, Buccaneers at Tampa. The two and O Eagles versus the two and O Baker Mayfield Buccaneers. Wow, 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 wow. Well, hammering the Eagles, hammering, by hammering the, way. the Eagles. We are not a, we are not no longer affiliated with the sports book, but we are hammering the Eagles. 
on any sports book that wants us to be a part of their part of the program. <laughs> well, they might not because fun fact, I was nine and zero last weekend. Wow, with with, with a plus nine thirty parlay. It was on. I have receipts, but I'm I, I'm. Do me a up. favor. Come spend some of that money at the bars here in Hoboken, Northwest Corridor. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I hope you had a great weekend. Enjoy Monday Night Football. And until next time, we shall see you later. Go Mountaineers.